Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. So way back in January 2020, which feels like, I don't know, 10 years ago, I had a plan to double up our podcast episodes for the month. You see, January is a really big month for WorkInSports.com. A lot of people coming to our site, looking for new opportunities to gain sports employment and follow their dreams. January is a month so many of us say, I'm going for it. This is the time I'm going to lose weight and want a new career. I want to make more time for myself. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to jog every day. It's the month of affirmations. So my thought was, let's capitalize on that attention. Let's get everyone feeling motivated and ready to conquer the sports world with a double dose of top podcast guests. And it was awesome. Anyway, I started out by building a target list and and aggressively reaching out to guests I thought would be great to kick off the year. And the number one person on my list was Hannah Huseman. Hannah is someone that I have really grown to admire in the world of sports, mental performance, training. Hannah's really motivating. She posts these one-minute clips on her social media channels every Monday called Mental Sweat Monday, where she gives her listeners actionable tips to improve their mental performance and skills. And she works for the Philadelphia Phillies, traveling to all their minor league teams and helping their players become their absolute best. She's a perfect guest. She said yes almost immediately. We conducted the interview, and I was so, so, so excited because Hannah's awesome. She explained how she got into sports mental performance, so it's interesting from a career standpoint for all of you listening. She also shared her background as a student athlete, which obviously relates to so many of you listening. And she gave incredible tips on how we can all improve with actionable advice. I mean, does it get any better than that? Look, last week was stressful. Between the election and increasing casualties and sickness from the global pandemic we're still facing, this today, right now, felt like the right time to bring back some positivity. Hannah has a plan and a vision and an approach. So listen in and learn and unlock your full potential. Hi, Hannah. How are you today? Hi, I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I am really so excited to talk to you because this is a a direction we haven't really had on the podcast before. Uh, The mental skills side of the industry and what you do and working with teams and athletes. I think it's so fascinating uh, and I'm so excited to talk to you about all that. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to talk about it. Cool. Before we get into all your work with the Phillies and all the other experiences you've had, I want to go back a bit just so we can understand a little bit of your motivation and your start and how you got things rolling here. So you were a Division One athlete. You played both basketball and softball at UT Chattanooga. Congratulations on that. Clearly, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> clearly, you have a love of sports. But why did you decide that it was more than just a hobby for you and it's something you wanted to turn into a career? And how did that kind of process happen for you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, like you said, I've, I've played sports my entire life. Um, I grew up with a younger brother and so we were super competitive and my mom and dad were like, do whatever, play whatever, you know? And so we, we got our hands on just about every sport we could play. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know when it started, but I just knew like, that's when I lit up the most, right? Was anytime I was around sports and my passion and my enthusiasm just 
skyrocketed when I was doing something with sports. And so, you know, when you're, when you're about to go into college and you're trying to figure out what are you going to study, you know, and you don't really know, and you have big decisions to make, um, you kind of just go with what you love. And the one thing I knew for sure that I loved in life was sports. Yeah. And so I did, my undergrad was in exercise science just cause I was thinking, you know, maybe strength and conditioning coach, maybe a softball coach, um, you know, somehow, some way being involved in sports, um, just not really sure what it was going to be yet. And, and trying to just keep an open mind on, you know, whatever opportunity comes like in sports, like that's what I want to do. Um, and I took a sports psychology class my senior year of undergrad and was like, what the heck is this? Oh, and cool. why have I never heard of this? Yeah. And so it was like, it was like a psych one-on-one class, but for sports psych. Um, and, and I was obviously my career of playing was almost over. And I was like, I'm so mad. I didn't take this my freshman year and learn some of this and like try to um, implement it a little bit into my own game. Uh, but it was almost too late for that. And so then I realized like, okay, well now I want to know everything and anything I can about sports psychology and how the brain works and how it can help us perform both on and off the field and be better human beings and better spouses and just better people. Um, and so I applied and got into grad school and then I got my master's in sports psychology and motor behavior, which is just a really fancy way of how the mind and the body work together. Uh, and then but sports psychology, there, and mo- but yeah, sports psychology and motor behavior sounds cooler. <laughs> I like that. That's a good title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a mouthful, but it's really simple. It's just how, how the brain works and how the body works. And luckily my undergrad, you know, I had exercise science as the background. So that was all the body and how the body works. And then my master's was specifically focused on how the mind works with the body. Um, but it was just, it's just always been there. Like, I, you know, you hear people talking about jobs and how some people love their jobs. Some people hate their jobs. And I've always, you know, my parents have kind of always instilled in me, like love what you do like every day, you know, the old cliche quote of if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yep. And, and I, I both agree and disagree with that. Um, cause it is a lot of work, but I do <laughs> love it. And, and loving your job every day is pretty freaking awesome. So, um, I, and I knew almost anything I would do in sports. I knew I would love. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got introduced to sports psychology. It was just through a random sports like one-on-one class in my undergrad. See, I love that too, though. There's a really cool message in there that you don't know when those moments are going to happen, right? Like the same kind of thing happened Definitely. to me. Yeah. I've shared on this podcast before. Like I started out as a same, same, very similar story to you. Sports was the place I was happy, played it all the time, mm-hmm. loved it, thought about it, watched it, read about it, everything. And then mm-hmm. I yep. went to college as like a chemistry and biology double major. Like, well, I, I don't know what I was doing. I was totally lost, <laughs> but I took like a mass media. Naturally. Yeah. I took like a mass media elective one year and was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I want to get into sports television. This is the thing for me. You know, it's yeah. like, you don't always know when that moment's going to happen. So it's kind of cool that you yep. were open to that. Is that important? Just kind of staying open in your mind to opportunities? Definitely. And I tell people that all the time, you know, whether you're trying to get into the sports psych field or whatever field, it's you have to be open and kind of willing to go places and do things. And, you know, my first internship was with a golf academy. I've never played golf in my life. You know, I've played all sports but I didn't play golf <laughs> and, but the first and the first opportunity I get is golf. And so it's kind of, you know, unique. And I was like, I am not going to say no to this because not only can I help golfers with their mental game, but I can also learn about golf. And now I'm obsessed with golf. But yeah. again, like that's what I tell everybody, like be willing to move, be willing to go do scary things because you're never going to know what you do like and what you don't like until you do it. And then once you do, like I just hopped off the phone call with somebody else. We were talking about, 
you know, how you actually learn more from bad experiences. You know, you learn like, okay, I know I don't like this. I know that's yeah. not how you do this. Then you do from good experiences where you're like, okay, that was cool. Like, but you learn what you like and what you don't like in different experiences. And, and that can't happen if you say no to things or if you only say yes to certain things or if you only do, if you're, you know, football player, you only do things with football. Like try other things, do other things. And, and be, being willing is a huge part of that. Like there's, there's no way I would be working with the Phillies if I wasn't willing to do other things first. See, that's so interesting, too, because you hear so many people who talk about, oh, I did this internship and I didn't like it. And now it's a failure. Yes. And I'm running out of time and this, that and the other thing. And they're they're yes. like they're like stacking up all these decisions like in their mind, like, like they're telling themselves it's a failure. When I'm trying to like say back yes. to them, I'm like, no, no, no. Finding out what you don't like to do is just as important. Right. Like going through that experience and saying, saying, whoa, I don't want to spend my life doing that. Like that's actually a win. That's not a loss. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and chances are that even though you think that that internship, you know, you don't want to do that or that specific path isn't right for you, chances are whatever you did there or learned there, you can take into what you're supposed to be doing. Like, even if it's total opposite, so like, true. there's probably something you can take away from that. Like, so mine was, um, my, so my undergrad was exercise science and my um, first internship in undergrad was as a strength coach. And I'm not even close to a strength coach right now, but I'm a mental strength coach. And so I have players talking to me all the time about workouts and the demands. And I know what they're talking about when they say something like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. And, and some of them are surprised and some of them are like, oh, that's awesome. But it's like I can almost guarantee you that whatever you've been through, it's going to help in once you finally get to that dream job or whatever it is that you're trying to get to and figure out like, don't like you said, don't write it off as a failure, write it off as I, I kind of call them lily pads. Right. Because sometimes like you got to hop from lily pad to lily pad until yeah. you get to the pond. Right. And sometimes then you're in a one pond and then you have to go lily pad, lily pad to another bigger pond. Right. Until you get to the pond that you want to be on. But like they're stepping stones. And I think I think a lot of people get like discouraged because they're like, what? I didn't get my dream job. I didn't get this. I'm not there. But it's like you got to kind of crawl through the, the gross stuff, the bad stuff first and figure out what you like, and what you don't like, what you who you want to work with, who you don't want to work with what's your niche is, what's your best at, you know, you may think you're best at one thing and then maybe you're fine. You're actually really good at something else. And so uh, it's, it's a huge piece of it is having an open mind. And that's not just in your career. That's, that's in life too. And I, I tell my athletes all the time, like always have an open mind, always trying to find what's the new thing you can learn. What can I grow from this? If I've heard this talk before, what's one thing I can hear differently in this talk, or can I pay a little bit more attention and find one new piece of advice or, or one new technique or skill that maybe I haven't learned before. It's funny. I had this. Oh, vision. I haven't heard it no, be put that way before. Yeah, totally. I, I had this visual as you were talking to of all these Phillies players, like jumping on lily pads across the pond. So I, I'm a big visualization <laughs> guy. And now that's going to be stuck in my head all day. Like I'm going to be picturing, guys, you know, all these different athletes at different levels jumping across lily pads. You got to visualize. Yep. That's all we do. <laughs> that's how you spend your days. Yep. That's it. All done. That's my, that's my day. That's the secret. So um, I want to go back to the beginning a little bit still, because I, I'm going to get off track here a thousand times in this conversation because I'm really into everything That's you have okay. to say and I'm just going to jump around but okay so you were a student athlete and I think this is one of the things I've, I find extremely important and again it's kind of framing your mind around the experience where a lot of people come to me and they'll say I was a student athlete so I never had a chance to intern so I'm behind yep. everybody else and I'm like no yeah. You have a different set of skills. So tell us as not only a mental skills coach, but also someone who was a student athlete, 
What kind of skills and things were you able to pick up and leverage in the rest of your life from just being a student athlete? Yeah, so I couldn't agree more with that statement. Um, and, I, and I think you can either, again, having that open mind, open mind versus fixed mindset, right? If, if you're an athlete, if you were a student athlete and now you're trying to get a job and you're like, well, I didn't have an internship, there's nothing I can do. That's a very fixed mindset, right? right. That's, well, this is all I have, this is all I could do, so that's all I got, so I'm done. That's, I'm never going to do anything. Or you can have the open mindset of like, yes, this is the only thing I did, but it's so much more than that. And that alone can get me to where I want to be. Like I know companies who are looking for student athletes because yeah. you know, the, the competitive edge, the drive, the time management skills, the, the grind, you know, you get better every day, the, you know, go, go, go until you can't go any further. You know, that they don't have to motivate you. You have all of that. I actually, my senior year, I had a, um, somebody come in at a career fair and talk to the student athletes and she had a PowerPoint and there was about 50 words on there that was like, they all, every one of these words should be on your resume because these are skills that you had that you don't even realize you have. So, so true. Um, but I, I, everything, like everything we just said, you know, it, it's a huge part of it. And I think, I think time management's a big one, but I think, I think confidence and I think enthusiasm are two very common words and verbs that have described me in my job and why people are telling me that I'm given, getting these opportunities. So when I'm talking to people who are interested in jobs, I'm like, you have to be confident in your skill, especially in mental skills, right? If we hunt confident and we're trying to teach guys to be confident, it ain't going to work, you know, like right. you, you got to be confident in what you're saying. And then also just being enthusiastic. Like if you love your job, like you, you should, it, you shouldn't have to force that. Um, but if you're not like, it's going to be hard to get a job if you're not pumped about it, um, or excited about it or, or anything like that. And so I think, I think those two things that, that we learn as athletes, you know, be enthusiastic, be pumped about the game, be confident in your ability, um, go straight into the workforce too. And it, and if you find people and they're like, this person's pretty confident and they're pretty enthusiastic, it'll be really hard to not get that job. I would imagine, unless you're just not qualified, you know, don't have yeah. the actual qualifications, but if you have the qualifications and you're confident in your qualifications and then you're enthusiastic about the opportunity, it'd be a win, win, win. It's so true. Like when I was in charge of hiring for when I was the news director at Fox sports Northwest and I was in charge of all of our hiring, it was almost like people were getting bad advice where they were telling them like, come in and you got to be cool and you got to be professional and you got to be buttoned up and you got to be tight. And I'm like, I'm looking for somebody that's excited. Like they're passionate. They're, ex yeah. they're exuding confidence and they're excited to be here yeah. and they can't wait for this opportunity. Like that's what I want to see. So I love that exactly. you're saying, I love that you're saying that because it's like changing your whole frame and perspective perspective on, on uh, everything you approach, like do it with enthusiasm and do it with excitement. Cause that really does no doubt. translate and enthusiasm and excitement can overcome sometimes a lack of certain skills because then you look like you're coachable, no like you're coachable. You can be trained, all that kind of thing. I think that's important. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So let's talk about mental skills training on a, on a high level uh, and then we'll dig in there yeah. a little, uh, in a little bit. It's clearly this is not new science and yet it's become somewhat more mainstream 
mainstreamed. It's I almost uh, mm-hmm. liken it a little bit to like analytics. An- everybody's always crunched data numbers. Everybody's always looked mm-hmm. at information and processed information. But analytics kind of had its money ball moment where everybody started talking about it. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt starring in it. Everybody's talking about it, and yeah. it's become <laughs> like this huge thing. Clearly, mental skills training is becoming a lot more mainstream now. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why? Do, what do you think brought it out into the sunlight? What do you attribute the the mainstreaming of the mental skills training to? Honestly, social media. Oh, um, I that's think, cool. I think so. There's a big there's a big piece that I try to talk about when I'm on podcasts, and, and it's an educating piece, right? And it's it's the difference between mental health and mental performance. Right. Those are two different things. So mental health is more of your your clinical psychology work. So, right, it's, it's your depression, your clinical anxiety, um, suicidality, eating disorders, things right. of that sort. That's mental health. And then mental performance is specific to like on field athletic performance or in the boardroom or whatever your performance is. Not it doesn't have to be sport, but it's it's confidence, motivation, resiliency, enjoyment, um, composure, all of those things. Right. So those are two separate things, but those are both needed in whether you're a regular person who doesn't perform or whether you're a performer. And my opinion on that is if you're alive and you are breathing and you are human, you are performing in some way, shape or form. If you are a dad, you are performing. If you are a sibling, you're performing. If you're, if you have a job, you are performing for that job. Um, and, and all of those things come with that. But I think the most important part and how this got out is mental health got out, right? Is that we had public figures, we had famous athletes, we had famous actors and actresses and all these people in the spotlight who came out and were like, hey, I I struggle with these. I have mental health issues. I have, I'm struggling with clinical anxiety or depression and making that more mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I think that had a ripple effect of once mental health is talked about and heard about and, and become a normal conversation, so does mental skills, right? And and like you said, mental skills have been around for forever. If you if you talk to, you know, some of the people in the baseball world who have been in baseball for 40, 50 plus years, you know, they may not call it mental skills, but if you have a conversation with them, they're talking about visualization and breathing and how to calm themselves down in pressure situations and techniques and skills that they use. It just didn't have a title on it. And they didn't have somebody specifically there working with them, training them on that and actually spending time and money and effort on training the mental aspect of their game. It was kind of like a, you're either good at it or you're not right. right? Kind of thing. And, and so I think, I think the way it exploded is the mainstream of social media and mental health being out there. And then people realizing, okay, this is especially dominant in high pressure performers, um, which includes, you know, high level professional athletes. And by that, we have to do something about it. We have to get some training in. And I think pro sports are, are kind of setting the standard. Um, and then it, the ripple effect down to, you know, college athletes and then high school athletes and on down to like 10 and eight year olds. I've worked with a nine year old before, Oh my gosh. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool though. It, it's, it's continuing to grow. Even like three years ago when I graduated um, with my master's, there wasn't a lot of opportunities and now it's probably doubled or tripled. And I think it's only going to continue to go up because more and more people are starting to realize that we're doing everything we can physically and we're like maxed out physically, like whether it's an hour rule or like physically, like these athletes can't take it anymore that the only thing we can do now is train mentally. And so it's, it's becoming more of a, 
priority than it ever has been. I yeah, think unlocking before. unlocking that mental side. That's really interesting. So do, yeah. you, do you find that there are certain sports or certain organizations that are more open to it? Or is it kind of a like if you, you're in this industry? So do you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I know I know these teams are really into it and this sport is not. And this is like, is there a kind of an unspoken word on like who's adopting this more than others? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say I would say Major League Baseball is probably leading um, just because, you know, baseball is such a game of failure. You know, everybody knows it's a game of failure and it's a game of of a lot of downtime. Right. A a game three ish hours. Right. And and I think if you break it down, you know, they're playing like actually less than 20 minutes is like actual action. Um, and, And there's so much downtime that they have so much time to think that it's 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 a great opportunity to practice and work on this. So I think they're one of the leading, but I, I know NFL is trying and working on it. NHL is working on it. NBA is working on it. Um, so they're trying. And then um, I think it's rippling effect down to colleges and colleges are trying to figure out too, of how to hire a clinical person to handle the mental health and then how to handle a mental skills coach to handle the mental performance side of things. Um, but yeah, you definitely know, you definitely know who's doing it and who's not. And, and almost, I think all but four teams in Major League Baseball have someone on staff, um, at least one person. Some some of the teams have a team of people. Um, and then the people who don't have them, I think, contract people out. So they still, like, got people working right. with their athletes. How did you so. get started with the Phillies? How did that uh, relationship start? Um, so backtrack, I graduated um, grad school in December. And in February, I actually started an internship. So I think that's important. I have my master's degree and there was no job opportunity. So my first job out of my master's was a internship, which I think is important. And, you know, people think you just graduate and bam, you get the best job ever. And I had the best internship ever, but it was still (laughs) an internship. Uh, And so I actually went and interned with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, So I I got into the baseball world there um, and was with them for a season and then the internship was over and I was still trying to find, uh, stay in the sports psychology world um, because they weren't hiring full time at the time. And I knew it was time to start making some money and hopefully I could make money doing what I love. And so right. um, I went to New York city and worked for a private practice up there um, called sports strata and for about a year and a half. And it was really cool because I got to work with, not just athletes, but all kinds of performers. So I worked with actresses and CEOs of companies and surgeons and firefighters and um, dancers. And it was just really cool to like see how the same stuff that the athletes do, everybody else needs to work on. Whether, you know, whether you're a mom, like I said earlier, everybody's a performer. Um, And so that was really cool to stretch out. Again, that was unfamiliar territory for me. You know, a fixed mindset would have said, no, I only want to work in sports. And part of my job was sports, but part of it wasn't. And so it was really having an open mind about that, too. Um, and then I did realize with that, like, again, that my, my most passion and, and enthusiasm comes when I'm working with athletes. And so I was just looking for other opportunities to get back into either baseball or another sport to, to get back to that team aspect. And I did a couple interviews and um, landed the job with the Phillies and just finished year two. And so we are prepping for year number three currently. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's kind of how internship went to another job that was outside of what I kind of thought I wanted to do or what I thought I needed to do. And then ended up right exactly where I needed to be. So, 
So how does it work with it? Yeah, no, of course. I like that. I like that. I keep thinking of fixed mindset in my head. Like I, I'm, I'm taking notes as we do this um, for my own <laughs> self and, and as, as a dad, so I can work with my kids too. Um, yeah. You work for the Phillies and it's a big organization mm-hmm. and they cover a lot of ground with all the minor league teams, et cetera. So how does it work for you? Do you, are you on the road going to different organizations? Do you do work with individuals who are on a slump? Does it always kind of change? Are you setting up programs that other stakeholders on the ground execute? Like, how does this kind of, how does this operate for you? Break it down. Yeah. Yeah. Love that question. Um, and love the specifics of the question. Um, uh, yeah. So we have, we have uh, four members of our mental skills team, um, and two of them speak Spanish, so they're bilingual, okay. um, and work predominantly with our Spanish-speaking players, um, who are from all over. We have Venezuelans, Dominican Republic, um, Mexico, and so they are predominantly working with our Spanish speakers, and then we have myself and uh, my boss, who predominantly work with the English speakers. Um, and we do, we split up the teams, um, so I have six teams, and I travel around to those six teams, um, meeting mostly individual meetings, one-on-one meetings um, with players, and then an occasional group meeting here and there with, with different groups. You know, we might do a pitcher's meeting or a hitter's meeting or a catcher's meeting or outfield meeting, something like that, um, or even a coach's meeting. Um, but most of my work is done on a one-on-one basis, and we do a – in the minor leagues, we require um, every player to meet with us once a month. Um, just because we are really trying to work on the stigma of, you know, mental skills and mental performance. And, you know, a lot of people still think it's, it's mental health. And, you know, you only go talk to Hannah when things are going really, really rat, wrong, you know, right. or when, when, you know, what's hitting the fan. And so we, we try to be proactive about it instead of reactive and make sure that we're meeting with you guys once a month, uh, whether you're playing the best you've ever played or you're playing the worst you've ever played. Um, that way we're, we're checking in. We know how things are going. We're up to date. And if things are going poorly, we can talk about it. And if things are going great, we can talk about it. Um, I think a lot of people hit the panic button when things are going wrong and don't pay any attention when things are going right. And so if things are going right, we also need to create awareness around that. Why are things working right now? You know, why, why is everything going well? Why are you hitting well right now? Why are you pitching well right now? Let's try to write this down and remember this. So when we do slump, because we know we will, because we always do in baseball, it's ups and downs constantly, that we have something to go back to and look at and be like, hey, I was doing this, this, and this, and things were going well. Am I doing this, this, and this right now? And chances are we're not. And, and so many conversations I have where they're like, when did I stop doing that? And I'm like, I don't know, but that's what I'm here for. You know, yeah. just to remind you like of the things, most of the stuff you already know, it's already inside of you, but you gotta you got to be pretty aware and that's something I talk about a lot um, in this sport is in, in any performance is being aware. Do you know what's going on upstairs? Do you know what's going on in your head? Because if you don't know, we can't do a whole lot about it. But if you do know, we can take it, we can adjust it, we can keep it, we can move some things around and, and make it work for you and, and try to create that top notch performance. But yeah, we travel around, we meet with everybody once a, once a month at minimum, but our door is always open and you know, we have a, a handful of guys who like to communicate more than just a month. And then we're kind of on call all the time. So right. especially like right now it's the off season. So everybody's kind of doing their own thing, but we're like on call and, and checking in with the players right now. 
It's so cool because I've, I've interviewed and talked with so many players, uh, minor leagues, NFL, whatever, interviewed throughout my career. And one of the things they'll talk about so often and embrace now and talk about is that they've felt so lonely early getting on. And I'm not trying to sound like, say, like you're just a sounding board to them, but to know that the organization is investing in their mental skills and performance and trying to get the best out of them and giving them somebody to talk to and bounce ideas off of, that has to be a powerful feeling for them as well. Like, I'm sure it's hugely beneficial to you and to the organization, but I'm sure it's incredible for them as well just to unlock some of themselves. Yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but like being, being that safe place for them, that's, that's yeah. part of what I am. I, I, sometimes I call myself a, a big sister or sometimes a mom with these youngins coming in, um, <laughs> but who are born in 2000, you know, whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it is, it's that it's, it's a safe place for them to come in, for them to talk about what's going on. And, you know, nobody is going to know about it, but us is very confidential. And so they can talk about it and, and we're there, we're on the ground. So we know what they're going through. Whereas, you know, they may try to reach out for support from somebody else who doesn't really understand the, the, the real grind that they go through and what their day to day looks like. And so we are just non judgmental listening ears and supporting them and coaching them and, and educating them on, the best version of themselves, helping them discover the best version of themselves, which is kind of the fun part because there's no, you know, there's no cheat sheet to this. You, you don't do this and you're confident, right? It right. What makes you confident could make somebody else very, very nervous. Um, and so it's, that's the fun part of our job is kind of picking and, and figuring out what is going to work to make you the best and perform the best. You know, some guys need to be amped up and screaming and listen to hardcore rock before a game to play their best and other guys need to be dead quiet, practicing mindfulness, listening to the sound of the waves, you know, and, and we just have to know that and we got to figure it out and it's up to us to figure it out. And then it's up to us to help keep them accountable and make sure they're doing everything they can to take care of their mind. Cause we know they're taking care of their their body. You know, we have nutrition and and weights and and workouts and training and physical therapy and all that good stuff. And we just want to make sure that we're checking in inside too. So our audience is full of sports crazed job seekers, right? These are people who are, they're your kinesiology majors, they're sports management majors, they're business majors, they're, ca- they're career changers who want to work in sports or they want to advance their career. They're already working in sports. So let's talk about them a little bit. I, I, in my convoluted way of thinking, I always look at them almost like athletes who are going under the, they're having the pressure and the stress on them right now to achieve some goal for themselves or to get started in their career or whatever it may be. And a lot of times they're talking to me about the stress or the frustration or whatever it may be. So let's talk about stress. Uh, They're feeling the pressure of career and life. What is the best way to handle that stress? What can they do to make that turn that into a positive in some ways? Yeah. So one, these are my kind of people. Um, (laughs) Me too. And and I wish I could meet every single person listening to this. Um, But no. So the first thing to do with stress is to normalize it. Okay. Like Whatever your situation is, whether you are looking for a job, whether you have a job and you don't like it, or or whether you just nailed the job that you want and you're nervous and stressed out about making that impression, or or maybe you have your dream job and you're stressed about keeping it, or whatever it is, like, the first part is to normalize it. Like, life is stressful. Work is stressful. Like, achieving your dreams is stressful. And, and that's okay. And the best thing I can do about stress, the best advice I can give you about stress is to sit down, write out the things that are making you stressful. Okay. And then once you have that list, whether it's two things or whether it's 50 things, I want you to try to separate it into the things that are inside your control and the things that are outside of your control. 
okay? And I can almost guarantee you, if you do that, most of the things that are causing you stress are things that are outside of your control, whether it's a coworker, a boss, uh, a coach, whatever it is, most of it is outside of your control. Just like in the game of baseball, you have a conversation with a player and we're like, what can you actually control in the game? And they're like, uh, I don't know, like, because there's so little. And yeah. so once you have that list of things you can control and things you can't control, I want you to write at the top of the list on the side that you can control and write focus. And that's what I want you to focus on, on the things that you can control. And then on the other side, on the things that all of these things are outside of your control, I want you to scratch out uncontrollables, and I want you to write um, either ignore or forget or throw it out, right? Because those are the things that you can't be wasting your time and energy and effort on, the things that are outside of your control. And I guarantee you the reason you're stressed is because most of those reasons. And then go back to your list and focus on those things on the, on the left or right side of your list, on the controllable things, and put all of your time and energy into controlling what you can control. Um, and typically those things are your attitude, you know, your effort, but also your preparation. Are you prepared for that job interview? Are you prepared for that presentation? Um, are you prepared for whatever it is that you're going to do? Because chances are, if you have a good attitude, right, which is what we're talking about with enthusiasm and, and confidence, and your effort's there, right? And effort goes straight into preparation. Like, did you put forward the effort? If you have a good attitude, you've done your effort, and you're prepared, chances are stress levels are going to go way down, right? But if, yeah. you're, if, you're, if you're not prepared, if you have a bad attitude, if you have put in little or no effort, and then you're worried about, well, how much money are they going to offer me? I don't even know if I'm going to get this job. This guy's a jerk. This girl's a jerk. Whatever it is, chances are your stress is going to be through the roof. And so the best advice I can give you without just being cliche and saying, you know, control the controllables is that make a list. What is making you stressful? What is making you stressed out? Go through the list and determine what can you actually control on that list? I guarantee you it's going to be like a 90, 10 percentage, 80, 20 max. Like most of the things you're stressed about are things that are completely outside of your control. See, I love that too, because you can't control whether somebody offers you a job, but you can control yep. all the steps that you do to prepare, to get the right skills, to, to research the job, to be prepared for the interview, to learn everything you need to know about the organization. There, there are plenty of steps you can control in this process, no doubt. but you can't be tied to the outcome because you don't control that. And that dovetails perfectly into my next question, because so often in sports, we talk about outcome like we as fans judge people based on their outcome right we, if they hit a home run yeah. they're awesome if they strike out they're yeah. bad you know but that's yeah. that's really the wrong approach isn't it like in life too to focus just on the outcome rather than the right approach am i looking at that the right way absolutely yes absolutely it's process versus outcome and exactly what you said and and sometimes sometimes the outcomes do matter but most of the time the, the outcome is out of your control can you control if you win a baseball game no, there's a million factors that go in. Can you even control, like, think about this as a pitcher. Can you even control if you throw a strike or not? No. And, and right. I, and I most sure people could. are like, and, you know, sometimes, yeah, everyone's like, uh, right. The answer is no. You could throw a perfect strike and they could crush it. Yep. Home run. You could throw a perfect strike and the um could screw you over ball four. Right. Right. There, you can't even control the outcome of that pitch. But like you said, what you can control is the grip on the pitch, the mindset before the pitch. The, have you been practicing that pitch? Have you mastered that pitch? Right. The preparation, your confidence in that pitch. Those are the things you can control. 
And then once that ball leaves your hand, it's completely outside of your control. And so it's, it's just it's almost accepting that and knowing that, okay, I have done everything in my power to execute this pitch or to execute this pitch in a boardroom, right? Another kind of pitch, but you're still pitching. Um, and, and if I've done everything I can, then the rest, you just kind of got to let it go and learn to know. And like, I guarantee that feeling alone, right? Knowing that I've done everything I can to execute X, Y, or Z. I've literally done everything I can. That feeling alone will decrease stress. You know, the, the reason stress happens is when you feel like your skill isn't going to match up to what it is, whatever you're trying to do. And typically that comes from not being prepared. Um, but absolutely no, focusing on the process and, and, and being able and willing to, okay, if I do everything right here, I still may not get the job. Yeah. But by God, I got better. I, I got better from this. I learned from this. And then if you don't get the job or you don't get whatever, ask them why. Learn from that. So the next job interview, the next job, if you get fired, whatever it is, ask them why. Figure out why. You want to constantly, that open mindset, but that constantly looking for growth and looking for ways to get better. And chances are, if you if you did all of those things to prepare, you're getting better. You got better. Even if you didn't get the job, if you did everything right, you got better. And also, chances are, you know, I'm not saying do these things and you'll have success. I'm saying if you do these things, you're giving yourself the best opportunity for success, which right. is all you can ask for. Because then, then that's kind of out of your control. But at least you know you've done everything in your power to be successful in that moment. Just like that pitcher, you've done everything in your power to be successful. And sometimes you are, and sometimes they hit a home run off of you. Even if you pitch the perfect pitch Yeah. and it's being, it's being willing to do that. And, and if you can say, I did everything I could in my power and he crushed it, hats off to him. And sometimes that happens. And that is life. And that's why we love life. And as athletes, you love to compete and we love baseball because you could do everything right and still fail. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the hardest concept. And that's why I think mental skills are so big is because you're literally, <laughs> everything is going wrong, but you're doing everything you can to control it. And you have to stay calm and collective and, and figure out how to work through that even and not change a thing, right? Because you're doing everything right. And the next time you could do the same thing and you strike him out, right? The same exact scenario and you strike yeah. him out the next time. So I think you're absolutely right. You've got to focus on the process not the outcome. And you have to focus on the things that you can control. I love earlier when you made the distinction too that, you know, some people are motivated by heavy rock music. They need to get themselves pumped up. Others want to meditate, mm -hmm. you know, like everybody's different. So these, these sometimes people trying to peddle that there's like a key to unlock success. It's like, no, everybody's different. You're right. Everybody has a different, everybody has a different formula that gets them there. But with that yeah. said, and with that caveat, would you, as you look back at the people, not just the athletes, but the people you've worked with, whether it's surgeons or ballet dancers or whoever it may be, are there certain things, are there patterns that you see that say, okay, most successful people, they do these sort of things really well? Do you see that? Yeah. So I would say the biggest one, the most common one is the people who are constantly looking to learn and grow. Okay. I love and that. And find the next edge. Yeah. Because like, like, I mean, so a perfect example is like, you know, everybody in the minor leagues wants to, and they have one goal, right? What's the goal when you're in the minor leagues? Get to the majors. <laughs> to get to the majors, right? Every, every player, you, what's your goal? Make it to the big leagues. Yep. Great. Like, I want you to make it to the big leagues. Then we have guys make it to the big leagues. Then what? Right. Right? Well, yeah, the goal was to make now? it here. Right, the goal yeah. wasn't to stay. Yeah. Right? The goal wasn't to, to be in the big leagues for 15 years. The goal wasn't to be a Hall of Famer. It was just to make it. All I have to do is make it, and then I'm good. And so I think, I think it's the people who can, no matter how good they are, 
I don't care if you've been doing your job for 30 years or for 30 days or 30 seconds, you are always trying to find ways to get better and to improve. And that comes again with that open mindset of, I call it a white belt mentality. A lot of people kind of refer back to this and it's basically like approach every day. Like it's your first day. So think about if you're an athlete, like think about the first day you ever played the game, the game that you played Um, or, or you have a job right now. Think about the first day on the job, right? You were an open book, a blank slate. You had everything in the world to learn about that job, about that sport, about whatever it is you're doing. And you learned a lot. And it's like, how can we, at some point along our careers, we get into this like, oh, yeah, I got this. I know everything about this. I'm the expert. I can do this. And, and part of it's true. You are right. You've been doing this for a long time, especially people who have 30-plus years of doing whatever it is that they do. You have that experience, and that's awesome. But that does not mean there is nothing else to learn and nothing else to grow and nothing else to get better. It's the minute we stop thinking we can learn that we start to fall and, and lose our success. But it's, it's the athletes, it's the people, it's the CEOs of companies who are always trying to find what's the next edge, what's the best thing we can do, what do our employees need, what do I need, what, what's the best version of me constantly, because that changes too. You know, what might have worked for you and motivated you and fired you up in college may not work in the real world, and that's okay too. And and Figuring out what works for you now in this stage of life is vital to your success. And so I think that's the biggest, most common thing I've seen is, is with the people who are incredibly successful, they're always trying to find ways to make them better, almost to a fault, too. Like they're like, they've got all, they've got 10 different kinds of foam rollers, you know, to stress. And it's like, dude, chill out. And he's like, hey, I got to <laughs> figure out what works best for me. I got to figure out, and maybe a different a different stretch works better after a different game, depending on what I did that game, right? Yeah. And so it's like this ever going process, never ending, always trying to evolve and get better and find the edge, the next best thing to continue my growth and my development, no matter what level you're at. A side note before we get into the next question, you're really good at this. Like I am like engaged, like I can't, I'm hanging on every one of your words. Like you are a rock star. I'm impressed. Thank you. So Thank um, you. I can see why this, I'm like ready to run through a wall for you. Uh, anyway, um, every Monday. You're asking really good questions. Though. Oh, well that's, yeah, that's why it's working well. Right. Um, it is. Yeah, my, my, my process. I've been on a lot of podcasts. Some of them are pretty tough to get through. Oh, so good. this is a really good one. That makes me happy. Thank you. Um, so yeah, every Monday, <laughs> every Monday, wait, you've been on other podcasts that's not cool uh, no i'm kidding um <laughs> sorry every <laughs> every monday you share a short one minute video tying back into the social media mm-hmm. you talked about earlier you share a short one minute mm-hmm. video under the hashtag mental mm-hmm. sweat monday and i mm-hmm. i really i'm saying this not just because you're a guest i really love these little sessions you hit the nail on the head quickly you make a really strong point but it's like you get a lot of detail and depth in there for just being on for a minute like it's really cool and i suggest everybody <laughs> connects with you on linkedin follows you all that good stuff. But um, one of my absolute favorites you did recently was um, on everybody, like a lot of people trying to take the easy way out of everything. Like we've turned Mm -hmm. into a, as I say all the time, we've turned into a just add water society where everybody wants everything (laughs) instantaneously. Like I want to just, I just want to have it right now. Like I just, I I expect it. I deserve it. I expect it. I want it right now. Um, Just add water. So uh, what's your message for people with that kind of a mindset? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> good. Okay, we're done even here. If it does happen, it's not. Like, <laughs> even if it does, like, okay, let's just add water. Let's add water, and then it blossoms, and it's huge, and it's massive. It's probably going to die pretty quickly. 
like, you know, or shrivel up, like I think of a sponge or a flower or a plant, you know, it's yeah. probably the, the longevity of that life is going to be as long as the time you spent to do it. Like, think about that. I love this analogy and I'm going off that analogy, right? Yeah, go. I'm going on analogy further. I love it. Is the amount of time you spend watering it is how long the life's going to be. So if you work for 10 years to do something, it's going to last a long time. It's going to be worth it. There's going to be value. There's going to be the bottom of the iceberg, right? That's, that's right. If you, if you know the picture of an iceberg, right? right. Just the tip is outside, but underneath is this huge, the roots of the iceberg or so-called, you know? And so it's, it's however much time and energy you're willing to put in is how much time and energy you're going to get out of it. Like, and, and you're just not going to be successful. No, you don't work out one time a week and expect to be the fittest person in the world. You don't eat healthy one time a week and expect to be skinnier, right? Or lose weight. It's the same thing that goes with your mindset. You can't listen to the podcast one time and think I'm solid mentally, right? You have to be doing things on a regular basis. And, and I know it, it's, it's super frustrating and, and it's almost more frustrating for those people who see those little successes so quickly because that may come back to haunt them in the end, right? It's because you didn't really do anything to earn that success. Right. If you got really lucky one time, it's going to come back to get you. And maybe you're going to be less prepared for something else or, or maybe you get fired because you got the job by some miracle, but you don't know anything about the company, kind of what you were saying. And yeah. so, no, I think, I think as much time as you're willing to put in it is how long it's going to last and, and, it is. It's such a quick fix society. Do this, find the easy way out. And that's, that's the message on one of my mental sweat Monday videos um, was like, stop trying to find the easy way out. Nothing, the old cliche saying nothing worth having is easy, right? You, people don't play baseball because it's easy. Like people don't get to the big leagues because it's easy. They do it because it's hard as heck, you know? And, yeah. and that's, what's so rewarding. And then that's another thing I've talked about on my videos is, you know, the thrill of success comes from, the possibility of failure, right? It, like if every time you played, if every time you played a sport or every time you did a job interview, you got the job or you beat a team by 60 points. If you're playing basketball or something, you know, like if every time you played, it was easy, it wouldn't be worth it. It wouldn't feel good. You know, it's not worth it. it like think about the basketball analogy, right? Would you rather be the team by 60 or would you rather be the team by a buzzer beater? Like you're getting better you know, and if you're like, oh, by 60, then like you like the easy way out. Like, or if you're like, no, I want the tooth and nail game because I know I'm going to get better. And then we win. And that one's way sweeter. Like that victory is way sweeter because the chance of failure was way greater. And that's what, that's what fires you up. When you work your tail off or something and you get it, you're going to feel so much better about everything versus if you don't, if you barely do anything and you get it, you're going to be like, oh, shit, that was pretty lucky. Yeah. Right. Then what? Then what? Then what are you going to do after that? You know, but if you work and you grind and you get something, maybe like maybe that you didn't think you were going to get or that somebody else should have got. But you got and you knew you and you know, you grinded and you did everything you could like that is about as rewarding as it gets. And so it's don't don't do quick fixes like nothing. Nothing worth it is a quick fix. Nothing worth it is going to happen quickly. Right. You don't. You don't just hop into your pond. You got to go through the lily pads. You got to crawl through the crap to get to where you want to be. And and people just see where people are. Like people are like you work for the Phillies. How do you? How do I do that? And I'm like, you fail a lot. Yeah. You do three internships. You go to get your masters. You move to New York City. You work with golf, a sport you've never worked with before. You do all these crazy things, and then you might might be able to get the job that you want really bad, you know. And and mm -hmm. people don't see that, and, and nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. Like. And, and if you're listening to this, go do something right now. Like, go do something right now 
that's scary or that you don't want to do because the longer you put that off, the longer, the farther away that pond is. But get on a lily pad, try to get to the next lily pad, get to the next lily pad, and then next thing you know, in five, ten years, you're in the pond versus complaining about not being in the pond right now, and then you're never going to make it. Here we go again. I got br- d- pictures of Bryce Harper dancing on lily pads. I can't get out of my head now. All it's going to be the lily pads. all day. I'm going to have Phillies <laughs> dancing on lily pads. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> we'll finish up with uh, this. because awesome. I, I have a feeling we, you and I could talk for hours, but I think that you probably have better things to do with the rest of your day. So I'll jump to the final question. Um, okay. Where do you see this side of the, in the, this side of the industry in the future? Like where, do, where is it going from here? Is it more just getting more teams to adapt this and embrace it? Or is there something else that can, that can be done here and we're in kind of the infancy of of the mental skills training side of things what do you see in the future yeah i i definitely think we're in the infancy stages i think it's going to continue to go continue to grow um it, it i literally i see it being in every college i see it being in every professional sport i see maybe even people having their own people on the side you know just just like it's just like strength and conditioning you know that's that's what i can hope for is that it turns into strength and conditioning, you know, everybody knows that in order to perform, you've got to be strong physically. You've got to, regardless of what your sport is, you've got to be lean, fast, strong, whatever, whatever your physical needs are. We all know the importance of that. And, and I think the physical aspects of life have taken over social media the last couple of years, right? Like before and after pictures and, and diets and all of that stuff. Like everybody knows we have to exercise and I hope, and I think eventually, you know, it may be 20 years, eventually it's going to be like, okay, we know we need to run to stay healthy. And it's going to be like, okay, we know we need to work on our whatever self-talk, meditation, mindfulness, visualization, energy regulation, whatever it is in order to perform at our best. Like it's going to be a no-brainer. You wake up, okay, got to meditate. Like shower, brush my teeth, meditate, out the door, you know, whatever. And I know some people are already doing that. And so I think I do, I do strongly believe we're only going to go up from here and I think the science is going to start backing it more because it's obviously something that's more difficult to track, you know, than, than the physical things, because a lot of it's the intangibles, right? You don't know how to measure confidence. And I think we're going to start discovering ways to do that and figuring out how we can really measure this and, and grow it and give it to people and like prove to people that this is going to literally make you a better performer. Just like being stronger is being mentally stronger is going to help you too. And I mean, you have a conversation with somebody and they believe in it. And it's just a matter of, are you willing to put the time, the effort, maybe the money into doing it? And and I think that's where we're on hold right now is people aren't willing to invest in it so much yet, but it's coming. I, I, I truly believe it's coming. Just like you pay a monthly gym membership, you're going to pay somebody to help you be the best you can mentally for whatever it is your performance is. Well, Hannah, when you write your book, I will buy it. I'm just letting you know (laughs) right now. I am planning on writing a couple, hopefully. I kind (laughs) of figured that. I got a vibe there that there was probably a book in the works because you should. And I think you'd be great at it. So you should do that and I will buy it. Um, But in the meantime, (laughs) can you tell everybody where you are most active on social media and where they can follow you? Yeah, so I am definitely most active on Instagram. That's the my social media of choice currently. So um, my Instagram is just my first and last name. So it's just Hannah Huseman. And, and like Brian said earlier, I do um, a Mental Sweat Monday video every Monday. It's just a one-minute snippet of, of a mental skill check-in, something you can be doing and practicing. Again, trying to create that mainstream. But I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, too. Um, but if you're trying to 
direct message me, probably Instagram's the best. And I'm on Twitter also, but just Hannah Huseman and you'll find me on all three of those. Well, that's awesome. And I know I follow you on LinkedIn and I see all your videos there. So everybody can check there as well and follow Hannah yep. and all the things she's sharing. Cause I'm telling you, if you like this, it's just more of it out there that she shares. So thank you, Hannah, for coming <laughs> on the show. And yes, Ryan, thank was, you so much for having me. It was great. I got a lot to digest. I'm going to go back and listen to this all again now and take some more notes. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I love so many of the messages that Hannah likes to share. I love her approaches to thing. It's very pragmatic. It's anything anybody can do. It's framing your mind in the right direction and, and thinking in a positive sense, but not a naive way. It's like just building up those building blocks of understanding and giving yourself the best opportunity to thrive. Thank you so much to Hannah. Thank you all of you for listening. I hope that gives you a little bit of a dose of positivity as we get through this really stressful time. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast, because the more you do those things, the higher we appear in the podcast aggregators, the more listeners we get, the more guests I can bring in and the better content we keep providing to you. So thank you for your attention and help in that regard. And just thanks for being a part of this audience. 